Hey, how's it going, Salem Fields? We're so glad that you're with us. Don't mind me and my, my reading here, A Guide to Life, just how by Dr. Seuss, I'm um, trying to figure out the meaning of life. You know, often we are caught with those questions of trying to figure out what the meaning is, like the greatest question of all, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, you know, that one's always seems up for debate. But today I would like to try to give you a question, maybe a couple questions, maybe you could help us to try to figure out the answers to today as uh, we get, before we get started with worship. Um, I would really love to know what came first, the chicken nugget or the chicken tender? You know, hey, if you've got an answer or response, um, why don't you type that into the chat room today and then kind of let your online host go and kind of go on there with that. Um, also, what, where, what's, who serves the best chicken nugget? Hey, is it Wendy's? Is it Burger King, McDonald's? Or we all probably know Chick-fil-A. But hey, we want to hear those answers as well. Enter that stuff in the chat room. And we're going to give you the answer to that, what came first, the chicken nugget or chicken tender at the end of the service. You see, sometimes in life, we're faced with great questions and trying to figure out how um, we can answer those questions. Well, Pastor James is going to be preaching with us as we continue to figure out the blueprints to community today that no matter what we face in life, that God has got it. And he's going to show us that. So it doesn't really matter about that chicken nugget question. But it's kind of fun to figure that out too. So stay tuned as we kind of worship today. We also want to show you, try to stay connected to you today. So please uh, fill out that connection card at salemfields.com slash contact. And maybe um, we can better connect with you, figure out how we can best serve you. Hey, we just hope you have a great time here worshiping with us today. And um, stay tuned for the end of the service so we can find out the answer. What came first, the chicken nugget or the chicken tender? Hey, we are glad you're with us. Let's begin to worship.
Great seeing each and every single one of you guys, and thanks for joining us online. Welcome to Salem Fields this morning. Uh, if you are a guest with us, hopefully you saw that uh, banner as you came in. Uh, we want to encourage you that after service, just stop by. We want to just meet you, get to know you a little bit. And then also online, if you just uh, click that connection card link, uh, say, hey, you know, I'm joining for the first time. We just want to be able to connect, uh, reach out. You can also fill out a connection card as well. Uh, through the Salem Fields Community Church app or by heading to SalemFields.com. We're going to be taking our tithes and offerings uh, here in a little bit. Uh, there are many ways that uh, you can give. Uh, so as you leave, you can uh, give cash or check is, uh, back at the buckets by the doors. Uh, online, you can just click that little green button in the top right-hand corner. Or as always, you can give anytime safely and securely through the Salem Fields Community Church app or online at SalemFields.com. We have a couple of... Uh, Quick announcements, some events that are coming up. Uh, we are having a pumpkin painting, and this has been a really just something that Children's Ministry is doing. It's going to be a blast, and it's actually had a pretty good uh, response so far. Uh, so we're actually encouraging you to register for a time slot now. So there's a three to four, and then a four to five. And so if you've already registered, uh, hopefully the, I believe they're just going to send you out a link, and you just say what time you plan on coming. But you can also go on to sandalfields.com, register for it, and just pick a time slot there. It's going to be a great time, so I want to encourage you guys to be a part of that. Also, we have a hike that is coming up this week on Tuesday, I believe, at Caledon State Park in King George. Uh, it's their uh, colors hike, and so it's going to be awesome. Those leaves are finally starting to change colors, and it's just going to be a beautiful hike. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, you can uh, reach out to Chris at SalemFields.com. Uh, and she'll answer any questions that you have about that, but it's going to be a great time, so you should connect with that. And then lastly, coming up on Halloween, we're going to have our movie double feature. Uh, it's a great social distancing way to celebrate uh, just Halloween, to be able to invite your uh, friends and your neighbors and your coworkers, just whoever. It's going to be a great time, so I want to encourage you to do that. Um, you register for a slot, so if you just go to SalemFields.com, uh, you can sign up for that. But we really need some volunteers to be able to help kind of run this thing for the community. So I want to encourage you, uh, really just think about how you can connect and be a part of that to be able to serve our community. Uh, just uh, ask uh, Pastor Chris as you leave today, or you can email chris at salemfields.com. Uh, also, at the very last song uh, today, uh, right after prayer, uh, we're going to dismiss any students that are connecting with student ministry. Uh, right at that time, you're going to go back to the, the student area. And so uh, let's just stand to our feet as we continue to worship this morning.
Paul says to his letter in the Philippians, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but what he says before that, he's like, but I've discovered that whether I have lack or whether I have plenty. No matter the circumstance that he found himself in, he had understood the fact that Christ was enough, that he was sufficient for him in every season and every circumstance. And so as you reflect on your life and as you reflect on even where you're at in this moment, do you believe that? Because I can tell you that even though as those waves come and as those storms rage against you, he is still our firm foundation. He is still where we can go to find refuge, where we can go to find peace, where we can go to find stability. And it's not dictated upon anything that we are facing. It is only dictated upon who he is and what he, what he has done on the cross. That is our strength. That's where we draw from. And so as we continue to sing his praises this morning, as we continue to worship him, Let's just declare over our lives, let's just declare where you find yourself here this morning, that Christ is enough for me, that I'm not going to go turn back to anything this world has to offer. I'm going to choose to stand on the firm foundation that is only found in Jesus. So let's just continue to sing, let's continue to worship, let's just continue to declare that over our lives, that God, Christ is enough for me.
surrounding us or trying to come up against us, we know that as we keep our eyes on you, you're going to be our firm foundation. Jesus, we seek you here this morning to know you more. And I just pray that it be with Pastor James as he just speaks the word that you've put on his heart and let us just receive it with obedience, with humility, as we just seek to know you more, God. Come have your way in these moments. Father, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So glad that you are here this morning, and uh, it's good to be doing these back-to-back services. I absolutely love it, and, uh, and uh, I'm uh, getting to meet you uh, in some amazing places. I will go into, a, uh, I'll go into a, a, a restaurant, and I'll meet you there. I'll go into a giant 
and I'll meet you there. And someone will say, hi, Pastor James. And I've never, I've never seen that person uh, in my life or haven't seen that person in a long time. And it's just, uh, it's just exciting to see where I will meet a belonger for selling fields. Well, we have been in this series called Blueprints for a Belonging Community. And we talk about, we're talking about what it means to be a belonger and the kingdom that God is setting up through his son, Jesus Christ, for belongers. And we, we, we've been talking about what it means to be in that kingdom and what that kingdom is all about and how being a part of that kingdom changes our lives. And so the first part of this series, we talked about the Magna Charter of the, of the blueprints for a belonging community, the Beatitudes, and how the fact that grace is available to all of us, no matter where we come from, no matter where we've been, no matter what our, our habits, our hang-ups, and our hurts are, that God avails grace to us, that grace goes before us, and the very fact that we know anything at all about the kingdom is all because of the amazing grace of God. Isn't that good news for you this morning? Isn't that good news, the fact that God has made possible you being part of the belonging community because of his grace? That is good news, not just for those people who are gathered here or watching me online, but for those who are in our communities, those who are in our cul-de-sacs and on our, our football teams or our sports teams or in our classroom, those folks have God's grace available to them as well. That is good news. And then we begin to talk about how we're God's marketing plan. That as we are sought and light in our world, that God has decided that we would be the marketing plan of the belonging community. So when you go, you go in his name. And when you shine, you shine in his name. And when you add flavor, you add flavor in his name. You are and I am God's marketing plan for the belonging community. And then we begin to go a little bit deeper and talk about theology. And, and, and God comes on the scene through Jesus and he says, I know you heard this, but I tell you this. And he, he begins to check and begins to call into questions our motives and our intentions. And, and he says this, motives and intention matter. And if you're just doing it to be seen by people, you miss the boat altogether. And then last week, we, he talked about it's not, being, it's not about us. It's not about us. That God is in this thing. And, and, and God wants to use us, sure. And, and God wants to wear us like a glove, sure. But it's not about us. And this morning, I've entitled the message, God's Got It. I remember, uh, I've told you a little bit of my testimony, being called to the ministry. I'd gone down the deep, deep end and I had all spent out and was in a pig pen. And it was in that pig pen that when I needed God's grace the most that he, he called me, he reaffirmed my call to ministry. Now, I wouldn't have called a person that was drunk out of his skull. I wouldn't have called a person who had embezzled. I wouldn't have called a person that was all messed up. But in that moment, in that moment of failure, God called me. And I responded to his call. And part of his call was this. James, I want you to go to college and prepare for ministry. And I, and I said to myself and I said to God, you don't understand. I don't have any money. 
And the last time I checked, it cost $12,000 a year. I know some of you are thinking $12,000. We would die to pay $12,000 for our kids to go to school. My daughter was 68. That's the difference between when I went to school and when she went to school. All right? And, and, and so I said, I don't have any money. And God said, go. I've got it. And so I took $700. <laughs> you get the math there? $12,700. $700 and headed towards Boston to go to school because God said, I've got it. Can I say something to you this morning? Wherever you are in your life, whatever is going on in your life, whatever is going on in your journey, God's got it. And he's just waiting for you. He's just waiting for you to turn your hands upside down and give whatever that situation, whatever that circumstances, whatever that individual, whatever that financial problem, he's waiting for you to turn your hands and upside down and give it to him. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice this thing of God's got it. So on the count of three, I want you to say God's got it. I want you to say it loud enough so the people outside can hear you. One, two, three. All right, that's pretty good. In fact, that's better than a nine o'clock service. So you guys are a little bit more awake than they are. All right, so another time, one more time. One, two, three. God's got it. And before you leave today, I'm hoping that whatever that situation that you have that seems impossible, that seems like you don't know what to do with it, that seems like nothing can speak into it, nothing can change it, it might be a disease, whatever the case might be, that you'll turn your hands upside down and say, God's got it. So, Let's go to the book for a second here. And we're going to, in this message series, this is what we call a verse-by-verse message series. So we're going to do a lot of scripture. And people have said to me, James, you're sharing so much scripture. Well, I'm hoping the scripture gets into you more than what I have to say gets into you. I'm hoping that if you haven't had a chance to read the Sermon on the Mountain, that today would be a good time to start reading that sermon and allowing that to get into you. So Jesus is talking to this group that has gathered on the, the hill. And, and most of them are these disciples, these ragtag disciples that he's kind of recruited. He's called them away from being a, a kind of fisherman and away from doing these different jobs. And he's called them to himself. And he goes up and he begins to lay out for them the blueprints for this belonging community. And remember, he's talking to them and to us. Sometimes we like to take these words and put them in, a, in, our, in, in 2020, right? In Fredericksburg, but he was talking to them as well. And so this is what he says. Don't hoard treasures down here where it gets eaten by moth and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasures in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? It's like this rhetorical question. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is a place that you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are the windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide with wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed and greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration for one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. 
Now, here's the deal. Jesus starts in this part of this course, and he begins to meddle with things that we don't like because we don't like it when, when the pastors and churches talk about money. We can't stand that. And I can hear you saying, oh, he's going to talk about money. But you know what? Jesus talked a lot about resource and money. And in this message, unlike the prosperity gospel people who preach, you're going to understand why he talks so much about money. What treasure? What is he talking about where he said, when he says, do not store up treasure? Is our treasure just our money? If you look at our money, you would think that USA Americans get this, right? Because on our money is this model. It's on every dollar bill we have. And what does it say? You, you answer this question. It says in? Say that again, in? So someone thought it would be really cool on our money to put this model in God we trust. But when I think about it, when I think about U.S. Americans, it really is not in God that we trust. It's in money that we trust, right? It's in money that we trust. That's what we really trust. I mean, so, so in one sense, money is treasure, but, but Jesus moved on more than just talking about the treasure that's money. Treasure is whatever you put your trust in. It's what you look after. It's what you guard. It's what is important to you. It could be a person. It could be a place or it could be a thing. Treasure. Treasure. Everyone has treasure. Everyone has treasure. Even those who are left out and who are looked over have treasure. If you've ever been with a person who's been displaced from home or a homeless person, they have treasure. You usually see it with them. They carry it with them. Now, for you and I, it might not be treasure, but for them, it's the most important stuff they have in the world, and it's their treasure because everyone has treasure. And Jesus is saying that kingdom citizens, belongers, that hoard treasure down here, it doesn't make any sense. Only treasure that's invested in things and people of the kingdom is really safe. Can I say that to you again? Only treasure that's invested in people and the things of the kingdom really is safe. Jesus talked about this many times. He said to that rich young ruler, maybe you remember it. He says to the rich young ruler, go and give your money, your treasure to the poor, thus investing in the kingdom and you will have treasure in heaven. You say, man, Jesus was driving a hard bargain. Man, that's so hard. Why would Jesus say to him to give up his money? Jesus didn't care about his money. Jesus cared about his heart. And we're going to get there in a second. And Jesus knew that where his treasure was, his heart was there. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? That's why he says, don't store up treasure in things that the moth and rust destroy. There have been people who have poorly invested in tre treasure that did not last. And for them, when it crashes and burns, it's the end of the world. We work on a cycle here in USA, uh, America, and most of the West. And it's kind of an economic cycle. 
And so every eight years, we have kind of a disturbance to that economic cycle. And so for eight years, we usually do really well. And things are growing, and your investments are growing, and your house is gaining, uh, is gaining uh, uh, money or value, and, and everything's going well. But every now and then, every eight years, there's kind of this kind of disturbance. And sometimes it's a blip, and sometimes it's a giant disturbance. Rose and I bought a house here. When we bought our house here in Fredericksburg, when we moved from Boston here about 18 years ago, we, uh, it was one of those times where everything was booming, and we had to pay more for the house than it was worth. In fact, we had to pay for it before it even went on the market. And three years after we did that, the Great Recession set in, and it went from being worth what we paid for it to a lot under what we paid for it. And today we're in one of those growth things again. Houses in my neighborhood, they don't even get on the market. The sign is there. It says sold. The house is gone. And so it's one of those cycles that we're in. See, Jesus was saying to put your trust in him, to put your trust in things that are eternal why does Jesus talk so much about investment and treasure? Because he knows that treasure equals heart. Jesus said that the stuff that we treasure, the stuff that we hoard, the, the stuff that we spend our whole life accumulating and guarding and protecting and hiding shows us where our heart is. You want to know what a person is passionate about? Find out where, what, what they treasure. Heart and passion are one and the same. Heart and passion are one and the same. You want to know what's a person passionate about, what their heart is? Go check out their credit card statement. Go check out the bank statement, the savings statement, the investment statements, and you will find out what people's passion is and what their heart is all about. You don't have to look long in USA America to understand what we are passionate about. But Jesus says, invest in the stuff that lasts Listen to what it says. Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers. A bank that can be banked on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place that you most want to be and end up being Luke's version of that same statement. It just makes sense to invest in eternal things. People are eternal. When everything else crashes and burns, when all the investments go bad and everything crashes and burns, people live on forever. So if you're going to invest in eternity, you invest in people we live in a world where millions of people die a day for lack of clean water, while a segment of the church preaches prosperity gospel. If you want to be prosperous, invest your treasure in people. Hoarders are like people who can't really see, and they go around squinting all the time. And, and when I think of this, I, I, I think of Christmas Carol and Scrooge who was so busy hoarding his money and so busy before his transformation, so busy worrying about and hiding and being concerned about money that he lived a squinty-eyed life. And, and, and in the biblical narrative, this idea of uh, eyes, your eyes was, was your life, your eyes were your soul. And so when he talks about people who live wide open, and talks about light coming into that person's life, but when, they, when, they, when they're so greedy and they're so concerned and they're so worried, they, they don't open their eyes and see what's going on. 
And Jesus says the reason why this is important is you got to serve somebody. Listen to what Matthew 6, 24 says. You can't worship two gods at once. You can't do it. You're going to love one. You're going to hate the other. You can't do it. You can try to do it, but something is going to take precedent in your life. Something is going to be the number one in your life. And the Bible says that anything that takes, the, takes precedent over God is idolatry. And, and, and you're called, and we're called in the Ten Commandments not to put things above God. But the reality in our world, the shape in our culture, the shape about the, by the haves and the haves not, is, it's almost impossible not to have money have a hold on us. Jesus saying that when we get to holding on to treasure, uh, it cuts off kingdom connections. When, when we put God, treasure before God or money before God or whatever that is before God, it cuts off our, our, vertical, our vertical relationship. And then in turn, it begins to cut off our horizontal relationships with each other. The greatest command, remember that? Jesus talks about this. Listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. You are to love the Lord your God vertical with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second, love others, your horizontal relationship as you love yourself. No other commandment ranks above these. But what happens is when we start to hoard and we start to focus our attention on the treasure that we have, we cut off relationship. And then what ends up happening is this belonging community, which is supposed to bring us together, which, what, what is supposed to have us share and love and connect, that, be, that belonging community gets corrupted by greed. Bob Dylan had a portion of his journey where he professed to be a Christian. And one of my favorite songs Bob Dylan wrote during the 1980s when he was doing this Christian thing. I don't know where he is today, but I don't know what was going on then. And he wrote this song. Uh, it goes like this. You may be a construction worker working on a home. You may be living in a mansion or you may live in a dome. You might own guns and might even own tanks. You might be someone's landlord or you might even own banks. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I love that. And the second verse is even better. You may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may work in a barber shop. You may know how to cut hair. You may be someone's mistress. You may be someone's heir, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, you're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil or the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. The truth of that song is you're, you're serving somebody where your treasure is, where my treasure is, the things that I hoard, the things that I guard, the, gain, the things that, that I spend so much time and energy on, says who's I'm serving. The good news is that Jesus doesn't stay on that forever because, because we couldn't take it if he stayed there forever because he, he began to step on our toes, and so he moves on. He moves on. That's good news for us this morning. Say amen, church. He moves on. <laughs> Matthew 6, 25, 30 says this, if you decide for God living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss on what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach. 
more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror gotten taller by so much of an inch? All this, all of this time and money wasted on fashions. Do you think it makes much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out to the fields. Look at the wildfire flowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen such color and design quite like it? The 10 best men, dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives so much attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never, ever seen. Don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? So Jesus takes our obsession with food and fickle winds of fashion and he begins to talk into that. And I'm a foodie. I love food. I love to, to, to cook by scratch. I, I love to make up my own recipes. I love going to great restaurants and you probably do as well. But Jesus says it's not all about that. It's not about the fact. I like to, I like to shop. I, I mean, I like to buy clothes. Now, here's a confession. Rose kind of went through her closet recently and, and got rid of a lot of stuff. And so right now, I probably have more shoes than she does. <laughs> Only because she got rid of a lot of stuff, and I don't get rid of anything. So I like to shop. But he's saying that that's not all there is to life. And don't be so preoccupied with it that it takes our attention off of what God is doing. He was saying to that crowd, don't get into this outside matters thing again. You're no less or more valuable to the kingdom of God by what you wear, what you eat. He was saying, let God take care of your needs you can pray, set us straight with three square meals, provide what we need. Life is not about food that is here today and flushed down the toilet tomorrow or clothes that are in style today and out of style tomorrow. And then he goes on to say, just be content. Listen to Paul writing to Timothy. Since we entered this world penniless, and we will leave it penniless, if we have bread on the table and shoes on our feet, that's enough. So Jesus was saying, just be content. When I think of contentment, I, see, I, I think of this baby in his mom's arms or, or in her dad's arms, and, and, and this baby is just content, right? This baby is just leaning, leaning, leaning there and doesn't have a care in the world because this baby understands that in most situations that mom or dad would die to meet their needs and wants. And what does a baby want? They want to eat. They want to be changed. You know, they want to sleep, and they want to be loved. And if you don't do it, they're going to let you know. Ever heard a baby that was hungry? or a baby that needs to be changed, they're going to let you know. And when I think of contentment, I think of us leaning on, on Jesus. And, and there's this sense that he knows exactly what we need. He knows some of our wants as well. And this idea of being content, understanding that I trust God. I trust God to meet my needs. I trust God to take care of me. I believe that God has got it. And then he goes on to say, why can you trust me? Because you're worth it. What's the price of a pet canary? 
some loose change, right? And God cares what happens to it even more than you do. He pays even greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. He's making a joke there because that crowd knew that birds were, were worth nothing. I mean, they didn't have peta and all this kind of stuff, so they didn't care anything about birds. Birds were worth nothing. And he's saying, listen, you're way more than the, worth than the birds. You are my crowning achievement I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know the number of hairs that you have on your head. I've written your name on the palm of my hand. I know what you need. Some of you, some of you and me and us, we need to, we need to hear that today. God knows what you need. God knows what you need. And you might say, James, you know what? It's not the needs, the problem, it's the wants, right? I want some things. I want some things, James. God knows what you need. She was saying you are worth more than the birds. You're more important than the flowers. And yet they're dressed better than any other thing in creation. And you're more important. And so he says, focus your attention on me. Focus your attention on me first and foremost, and your needs will be met. Now, if I was you sitting in the seats right now or listening to me online, I would say, James, hold on a minute. Hold on just one minute. Wait. I know plenty of people worldwide and their needs are not met. There are children who are dying of starvation. There are people who are dying because they don't have shelter. There, there are kids who are dying because of hypothermia. What do you mean? Well, don't, don't worry. I'm going to answer that question a little bit later. But here's the deal. You and I are a little lower than the, than the angels. So God cares about us. So we don't have to worry. We can do the opposite of worry, which is trust. Philippians 4, 6 or 7 says it this way. Don't fret or worry. Instead, I love that. Instead of worry, pray. Let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, this sense of God's wholeness, God's peace, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry in the center of your life. See, trust is the operative word. Do we trust God with our lives? Do we trust God or our stuff? I mean, what are we putting our trust in? Is it our treasure, our clothes, our food, our reputation, our job, our status? What are we putting our trust in? Trust means we fall back in the arms of Jesus. Have you ever done a trust fall? Anybody out here done trust fall? Raise your hands done a trust fall. So some of you know what it is, right? There, you usually have a team or, or a, a bunch of co-workers and you're trying to build some team camaraderie, right? You're trying to build some team togetherness. And so you do a trust fall. Sometimes a trust fall, you get on something high. Sometimes people do it on tables. Sometimes people are just standing still. And, and the idea is you have all your team members behind you. And, and they're trying to get you to, to fall without bending your knee, right? You know, the people who do the bend the knee fall, you know, they're not so, so that they can catch themselves, right? Because they don't really trust. 
But they're, not, they're trying to get you to just kind of a, do a, a dead fall. Now, now I, I've done the trust fall before, but have you ever done the trust fall with a deranged person? Ever done one of those? With a deranged person that loves to see people hurt themselves? I, I've been with some of the deranged people and I've done a trust fall. I had a, I had a group of mine, we were doing summer ministries and we were on a team together and we were trying to build camaraderie because we we're going to be traveling together for three months. And so we're doing this trust fall and I, I get up and I, I stand up like this and, and my I, the ideal is to go fully backwards, right? And, and so I, I usually bend my knee, but this time I'm going to trust these good Christian people. Well, one of them was slightly deranged. She's a good friend of mine today. And, and, and so he has that middle section, right? That middle section of hands, and he, he pulls his hand. And so what happens is I fall back, and because there's a gap there, I fall through the gap, and I hurt a little bit. We've done the trust fall. What it means to trust means that we just kind of fall back in the hands of God. And we're trusting that he's not deranged. <laughs> we're trusting that he's going to catch us. He's going to catch us. Trusting means saying, Jesus, I'm not going to worry or fret about this or that thing or situation. I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm going to place it in your hands and believe that you love me and you have my best interests in mind. God's got the give and take thing. So he, he says this. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to relax. Relax, right? I'm trying to get you to relax, to be not so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God, people who don't know God, people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and the way he works. So steep, tea bag, hot water, steep your life in God reality. Not what you see going around you. It's deceiving. Going around you is temporary. Going, what's going on around you is going to burn and, and it's going to burn. It's going to be done one day. Seep yourself in God initiative, God reality, God provision, and don't worry about missing out and you'll find your needs be, will be met. I, I, I grew up in, in foster care and, and on Sundays, my parents would have, um, they would have guests over. And they would send us to bed right around 8 o'clock, and I knew what was going on. As soon as they sent us to bed, they brought out the dessert. Like, like as soon as they sent us to bed, they brought out the dessert. I could hear the, the plates clinging, right? Because mom had, had bought out the dessert, was going to cut the pie and put some, put some ice cream on the pie. And, and I was so concerned about missing out. And, and I would be peeping down the steps because I knew they were going to have a dessert as soon as she sent us to bed. Some of us are like that in life. We're so busy thinking that we're going to miss out. And God has all kinds, I mean, my goodness gracious, what I would do to go to bed, I go to bed at 8 o'clock these days. <laughs> right? Some of us are so busy thinking that we're going to miss out, that God's doing stuff all around us, amazing things. But we're so busy looking at the person next to us and looking at what God has for that person that we're missing what he has for us, uniquely designed for us, uniquely put together for us, working with our gifts and our graces and, 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 and our talents. So he says, don't, 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 don't get into the missing out thing. So he says, just relax and let God get it. 
You know, I love to do my own birthday and Christmas shopping. I'm what you call a hard person to shop for. And so my, my, my kids and my wife Rose, has, they've, some, they've given up sometimes on trying to shop for me. And they're just content to let me buy my own stuff. But you know what I've learned? There's no surprises in buying your own stuff. There's no surprises in buying your own stuff. And so everybody else is surprised, and they're excited on birthday and Christmas, and I'm thinking, yeah, I know what I got. <laughs> I bought it myself. <laughs> See, sometimes we can, we can be taking care of ourselves. We can be buying our own gifts. We can be hoarding our own treasures, and God's trying to bless us and has a surprise for us, but we're so busy taking care of ourselves that we don't allow God to take care of us. So he says, relax. Remember that God has it. See, we, as belongers, we know who we are. We're, we're the children of God. So, so we don't need stuff to make us feel important or, or valuable. If you're a kingdom kid, you're assigned value just because you're made in the image of God. Because he cared enough about you and I to send his son to die on the cross for us. Your worth is not based upon uh, what you have done or what you have not done. It's, it's not based on what people say around you. It's based upon the fact that Jesus thought you were worthy enough and I was worthy enough to die for us. And he offers us grace. And then he says in the end, focus on what God is doing See, as we stop running after the stuff of the world and as we stop hoarding the treasure and worrying about fashions and food and all that external stuff, what begins to happen is we begin to open our eyes up and we begin to see what's going on around us. See, God is in the business of redeeming the world, redeeming the world and creating it anew. And when we take our eyes off ourselves, we begin to see others and their needs. Do you understand today that someone's need can be met by what you do? As you begin to be good stewards of what God gives you and I, as we begin to give generously, as we take our, our, our attention off for ourselves and hoarding and all of that kind of stuff, we open our eyes, we look out, and God says, give to this or support this or, or go on this mission trip. And we begin to meet the needs of people Sometimes we complain about, God, why aren't you meeting needs? And he's saying, I'm trying to meet needs. Take your attention off yourself. Take your attention off of your stuff. Take your attention off of hoarding. You got enough shoes. You got enough clothes. The car you got is running fine. I'm trying to meet needs through you. Remember, we're the marketing plan, and God is trying to meet needs through us. It's that moment when we take our eyes off ourselves that God begins to prick our hearts, and we become part of his solution for the world. We become part of the visible presence of the invisible God. That's why, that's why 15 or more percent of everything that comes in this place leaves this community and goes to out the, throughout Virginia and USA, America and around the globe 
Because we believe that God is meeting needs through us. And so when you go on that mission trip, or when you give to the Samaritan's Purse, or when you give to the Thanksgiving offering, when you do that kind of stuff, what you're doing is you're meeting needs. God wants to meet someone's need through you. And when I got to have more and more clothes and more and more shoes and more and more stuff, and when I, when I get into excessive hoarding, what happens is I don't become a conduit where God can, God's blessing can flow through me. I become a stagnant pond. God wants to work through you and I. And it's when we take our attention off ourselves, when we decide to store up treasure in heaven. And I said to you already, treasure our people. When you invest in people, people will live for eternity. Everything else is going to crash and burn. The person that you see next to you is going to live for eternity. And God does not assign value on what we consider to be success because we look at certain people and say they're successful. So we assign this value to them. And we look at other people and say, well, they're not successful. So we assign this value to them. But in God's eyes, we're all created in the image of God. You and I, God's image stamped on us. And so every person is important, black and white, Democrat and Republican, poor and rich, educated and uneducated, city and rural and urban and suburban. Everybody's important to him. The person that, can't, that, that drives you crazy, <laughs> the person that you can't stand, is important to God, just like you're important to God. I, uh, when I fly, I always, for some reason, sit next to the talkers. <laughs> Have you been next to a talker? <laughs> I'm a talker, so I'm not beating them up. As you know, you're saying, James, get the sermon over. <laughs> you're a talker. I'm a talker. And so I sat down, I was coming back from the Midwest, flying into Dulles, and I sat down next to a guy, and they pulled the plane out, and they set us on the tarmac for an hour, and he began to talk. And you know, I, I know I'm usually a person to talk, but sometimes when I get on a plane, I just want to rest my eyes. You ever been there? You just want to rest your eyes. I got a, I got a two-hour trip back to Dulles. I just want to rest. And he began by saying, hey, what do you do for a living? And I told him I was a pastor. And I asked him what he did for a living, and he said he was an attorney. And I said to him, if you tell no pastor jokes, I won't tell any attorney jokes. And we begin this conversation. His name was Joe. And, and Joe, Joe uh, grew up in a Lutheran church, but now was attending the Catholic church of his wife. And, and Joe asked me all kinds of questions on that plane trip. He asked me about heaven and hell. He asked me about the Pope. And he asked me about, that's a joke that, that could easily became, become a joke there. But he asked me about a whole bunch of stuff. He asked me about character issues. He asked me, was it all right to kind of cheat someone if they were trying to do him in? And he, he asked me about his friend who was having an affair and what should he say to his friend but when as I listened to Joe again and again and again everything came down to money everything was about money and how he could get more and more money and how he could get more and more wealth 
And in and of itself, that's not a bad thing because some people get wealth so they can give it away, right? Some of you are those people in the audience today. You, you get wealth so you can be a good steward of it, so you can give it away. But that's not what Joe was doing. Joe was hoarding it. He was hoarding it. And Joe and I talked about a lot of things, and we exchanged communication. We exchanged kind of numbers and everything like that. And I kept, on, I kept in touch with Joe after we had landed in Dulles for a couple of months. And the last, the last kind of text that I had for Joe was him asking me what should he do about a job that was going to get him more money. And all the time, Jesus saying, listen, don't run after that stuff. I've got your stuff. All the time, Jesus is saying, hey, take your hands upside and turn them upside down. Give me all of that stuff. Give me your worry. Give me your concern. Give me your stuff, your, your bad stuff, your good stuff. I've got it. I will take care of what you need. And I know this is extremely practical, but this really is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is the everyday stuff. This is the stuff that Jesus wanted to teach those people because he was saying to them, the kingdom of God is different. Why the world runs after money and all of that kind of stuff, it's different in the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. So let me ask you a question today. Where is your treasure? What are you investing in? And when the end of time comes, when the end of time comes, when everything else that we have collected, our sh clothes, my shoes, you know, when they're all burned up or someone's given them to the goodwill and the goodwill doesn't even take them anymore, they just throw them in the dumpster, right? <laughs> By the way, the goodwill does that. Did you know that? <laughs> At some point in the journey, they, they don't want our stuff anymore. They just throw it in the dumpster. When the end of time comes and all that stuff crashes and burns, where have you invested your money? Let me say something to you. If you've invested in people, if you're giving your time and your energy to people, if you trusted God with all the rest, then what you have invested on is going to live on for eternity after eternity after eternity. Because what did Jesus do when he wanted to invest this time and his treasure? He invested it in you and I and left all of the splendor of heaven and moved into a neighborhood to redeem us, to provide grace for us. So he's not asking us to do something that he's not already done. And here's the good news. When we start to look inside and have God transform the inside, then what happens is he empowers us to to live as belongers on the outside. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this call as belongers to trust you, to invest our lives, our time, our talent, our treasure in the things that matter. And nothing matters more than your people and your kingdom. So Father, this morning, would you help us Lord, would, you, would your Holy Spirit speak into our lives and, and, and answer that question for us about where our treasure is? 
Our time, what do we spend it on? Our talents, what are we invested in? Our treasure, what are we investing in? Would you answer that question for us? And Father, if it's not where you want it to be, if it's, if it's idolatry because we're putting something else before you, because we're serving something, somebody else or something else or some other situation before you, Father, would you help us to correct that? to reprioritize our lives and reprioritize our treasure and reprioritize our time so that our vertical and our horizontal kingdom relationships will go well so that people who have needs all around the globe and even here at home will be, will be those needs will be met because we have extra to give away or maybe the first part to give away thank you father for being the god who speaks right into us right to where we are right to the stuff we're struggling with and tells us to turn our hands upside down and give it to you now father we never want to end a service like this without giving people opportunity to know you and so it's so good that the god who got it who has it the God who's got it wants to have a relationship with us by grace through faith. And so, Father, today, Lord, if someone's listening to me online or in the auditorium and they don't know you as the God who's got it, Father, I just pray that you would help them to, to, to talk about that, to speak it out and to say, God, I don't know you, but I want to know you. I want to trust you with my life. I want to do a free fall into your hands. Forgive me of my rebellion, of my selfishness, of my sin, and come in and be the God who's got it in my life. Move into my neighborhood. Make your home, make your home in my heart. And help me to live out the call to belong. Maybe you're here today and you've been a long, belonger for a long time, and God the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart and saying to you, there needs to be some adjustments in your priorities. The good news is that God who pricks your heart is a God that will empower you through his Holy Spirit to make the adjustments. Thank you, Father, that we're not, uh, we're not just worried about the here and now, that we're people of eternity. We're people of eternity. So help us live like it. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, it's me again. Hey, we hope that you had a really good time worshiping with us um, this weekend, and we are so glad that uh, you joined us. We want to make sure that you're staying connected. If you would, please uh, check out our Deeper Dive that takes place every Monday at 2, um, and we can uh, find out uh, how we can uh, answer some of those questions maybe you had about today's sermon and uh, talking to Pastor Kelly and Pastor James about that. Um, we also want to make sure you stay connected by getting involved in a, in a small group. If you're interested in a small group, just email us at smallgroups at salemfields.com and uh, we'll get back with you and figure out how we can connect you with uh, in-person small groups or digital small groups as we're trying to get those started. You know, at the beginning of the service, I kind of asked one of those life questions. Um, what, what came first, the chicken nugget or the chicken tender? And I know you've been waiting all service to find out the answers, but here it is. So what came first was the chicken nugget. Uh, McDonald's claim to fame of the chicken nugget happened in 1980, but really a man by the name of uh, Robert C. Baker um, developed 
developed the chicken nugget back in the 1960s. Um, and so he get, doesn't get the credit that's due to him. Of course, you know, the big chain restaurants come in, they get to steal all the glory and stuff. But he was one of the originators of the original chicken nugget. The chicken nugget actually came before the chicken tender um, because the chicken tender um, didn't actually start coming out and being produced until the 1975. So for all you chicken nugget lovers out there, hey, we're, we're excited about that, um, that the chicken nugget came first. And then, hey, we're going to give you the answers of what all you thought about um, who what is the best chicken nugget producer today in the fast food restaurants next week. So stay tuned for that answer next week. We hope you have a great week and God bless.